everybody, and welcome back to We Bought a Mic for a little bit of chill catch-up here, coming down off of Robin and catching up on the latest in film and TV here. My name's Ernest. Welcome. I am clean-shaven hunter. Well, I'm not exactly clean-shaven. I was clean-shaven like two days ago, and now like I, the stubble is thick yeah. at this point. We, we went to a concert, I, and you showed up clean i was clean i wanted to shave before this pod but uh timing did not permit i see much like robin williams i'm a very hairy guy right like the reason why i have a beard it's not just because i look damn good in a beard which we all know that i do but it's it's also just because i'm very lazy and if i could just like not do something i would rather not do something than do something a hundred times out of a hundred and usually like shaving that applies to shaving. Um, well, let's be lazy. Let's be lazy on the pod right now. Listen, yeah, We're that's chilling. why it's just like I'm at like I'm past the five o'clock shadow. I'm at like a 12 o'clock shadow. And we've got Brian joining us post Patch Adams episode. How are you doing, Brian? I'm here. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I am. Uh, maybe I don't want to claim on the pod, but I might be one of the biggest fans of golf. I've been a nerd about it lately, so. Part of my catch up has been binging a few of the golf movies and there aren't golf too many movies. There aren't too many, but yes, is but the, there's some great ones though. There's I some mean, great ones. There's some yes. just straight bangers. We were talking Caddyshack, the Gilmore's. Okay. Like, oh, it's yeah. Just pure classics. Um, have you been oh, watching yeah. like golf itself? <laughs> like the so, actual no, you're, honestly, no, just, dude, just my, movies. <laughs> I have been watching golf. Um, the season ended for the FedEx Cup playoffs yeah. and all that about a month ago. But I got into that, really. But the movies, man, um, I've watched The Ballad of, I think, Buster Scruggs or The Ballad of, I think that's what it is, the Matt Damon, Will Smith movie. Oh, no, not Buster Scruggs. That's a... Um, <sighs> Buster Scruggs is the Coen Brothers movie. Um, is that the Western one? Badger, yeah, Badger Vance? Thank you, Badger. Yes, fans. there we go. Mm-hmm. See, so, I gotta, I gotta tell you, boys, yep. all your sports legend, movies. Yeah, here. Legend, <laughs> the Legend of Bagger Vance. Yeah, yeah. No, I. That's that's a classic one. I haven't seen Legend of Bagger Vance, but I know about that one. Charlize is in that one, isn't she? I think so. Is it? It's Matt Damon, dude. It's way more him than Will Smith. But everyone thinks it's a Will Smith movie until you watch it. Matt and that's Damon. a golf movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. When yeah, I yeah, when yeah. I think about golf movies, the the first one that jumps into my head is the Shia LaBeouf one. Um, greatest, greatest game ever played. Yeah, I think. Did you catch yeah. up on that one? I did, or- dude. I didn't watch that till maybe two months ago, and I really liked it. I follow Josh Flitter. I think it is on Twitter. I think his name's Flitter. I don't know, but yeah, he's the little uh, caddy in that movie. So. <laughs> It's a, he's a Nickelodeon staple, I think, growing up. But, yeah, that, that yeah, movie's dude. definitely Disney adjacent, Nickelodeon <laughs> yeah. adjacent. Yeah, and remake it now with those two and just see how well that goes. But um, Ten Cup is my favorite. Just let me uh, staple that to my name. Ten, oh, yeah, Ten, Ten Cup. Cup is Kevin a classic. Cup. Oh, my yeah. God, yeah. Ten Cup is actually, like, one of my mom's favorite movies ever. Oh, Mostly wow. because... She mm-hmm. is madly in love with Kevin Costner. Like he's he's wearing a backwards cap and a tank, white tank top. Every Kevin yeah. Costner is one of those guys. You know, like every mom has them. Where there's just those guys who like you just talk about. And my mom's just like, he 
she's just so handsome. Like she gets like fucking bashful <laughs> and I'm like, Costner. mom, stop it. He is, <laughs> you cannot have Kevin Costner. Is this, is this Knock why 24 was always on in your home? Uh, no, that's because uh, we, oh wait, no, that's country. Kiefer. That's Kiefer. That's Kiefer Sutherland. Oh God. <laughs> Although my mom does love Kiefer and well, Kiefer, Kiefer and Kevin Costner are very, very close to sharing the same DNA. <laughs> they look kind of similar. They're a similar <laughs> type of guy. They are like, I'm going to say about 15 years apart in age, if not more than that, but no, definitely more than that. Probably like closer to like 20 plus years yeah. in age difference. But yeah, no, I watch 24 uh, in my house all the time because I love good cinema. And I think that we should bring back torture. Yeah. No, and <laughs> Bush, Bush's, Bush's, Bush's American, American was our high point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> speaking of sports films, Brian, I, I wanted to shout out the the little message you sent us in our discord. Um. Uh, basically, you sent a little graphic where you sent us your top three football movies because football season is here. You guys were mm-hmm. talking just off mic about the whole Tua situation and the the rise and fall of the Dolphins and uh, very you- very short rise. Like we can say it was like it's more of like a like a, an accidental skip. You know when you yeah. like walk sometimes and you like trip, but then you like turn into like, a skip. That was the high that the Dolphins yeah. experienced. Um, I hope that man recovers. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. Mm-hmm. So why don't you give us your quick number one, two, and three that you included? And did you make this graphic? You included like little screenshots from each film. It's like a little I rundown did. of what to expect <laughs> from each one God, of look these. At you. Brian, just being that guy, just out here making Y'all. graphics. <laughs> Y'all, I got time. Yeah. So okay. So <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I made it because um, I was watching Best of Times, Robin Williams. You know, doing that. But the you replacements. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Honestly, yeah. I need to see all these. I haven't seen any of these movies. Well, so you know, it's Varsity Blues mm-hmm. is number three. The Best of Times is number two. I wish it had more than just Kurt Russell and Robin Williams, but two is fine. Um, the Replacements is number one. Keanu Reeves. The Replacements Man. rocks. Yeah. I love that movie, dude. I always, uh, yeah, The Kicker too. I've always heard That's great like, things. that is a classic mm-hmm. cable movie. Like that is a movie that I've <laughs> seen like a hundred times just because it was like on Comedy Central. It was on FX. It was on USA. Like it was just a movie that was just somehow every TV network had mm-hmm. access to this movie. It was on all the time. I will say, um, I think I've seen, I definitely saw Varsity Blues when I was a kid. I don't really remember a ton of it. Never seen The Best of Times. A um, couple movies that are surprisingly missing on here. One, Remember the Titans. Oh, that's An a classic. absolute classic. Denzel. A banger mm-hmm. of a movie. Uh, that's legitimately in one of my top 10 favorite Denzel performances ever. Like, he is amazing at movie. I love Remember the Titans. Um, and... The Longest Yard, you could go classic, Ooh. classic Burt Reynolds or remake with Adam Sandler. Either one, uh, mm-hmm. definitely not a great movie, but a movie I loved as a kid. Gridiron Gang with oh. The Rock. Remember Gridiron uh, Gang, guys? Isn't big Under Armour move. That is a huge. That's like the first <laughs> time I ever saw Under Armour. I was like, oh man, that's like, that's like the bad boy like honestly fuck nike dude i want under armor shit now isn't sean william scott in that movie um i I know exhibits in it 
I think, no, yeah, you're thinking of Goon, the hockey movie. Oh, okay. um, no, Gridiron Gang is like, um, Exhibit is in it. Uh, I don't remember if anybody else really famous was it's in It's him that. and The Rock, Not that's coming but like, to I mind. don't think the players were famous at all. So according to Google, yeah. uh, the number the the number one football movie is Concussion. When you, a movie that's just about there's no football oh, that happens the in first it. one that comes up <laughs> that movie was hey. such a phenomenon i remember when that movie came out and the nfl only then was like hey maybe we should look at brain injuries yeah. which kind of funny that well not funny is the wrong word that we were just talking about the poor handling of tua off mic before yeah. we started recording well that's because podcast. that movie came out in 2015 yeah and we're still doing this <laughs> wow. we're still doing this well they, they forgot about it they're like oh yeah concussion i guess we uh, should hey. care about that ernie where's draft day on that list <laughs> okay 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 let's see let's see i'm being so, a smart ass it's not a good movie it's oh no, no no it's on I here it's on drafting. it's on here it's i on here. really stand that movie i've got the dvd i don't love it i just have it <laughs> so so here's here's how it goes it goes concussion american underdog remember remember that movie that came out last year it's the christian Jesus. adjacent movie about kurt warner <laughs> the blind side Sandy Bullock. Uh, Woof. Oh, okay. Not a great look for this list so Uh, far. Something called something called Greater. Uh, I don't think this is a real movie. (laughs) And then draft it. Um, also on this, we are Marshall. Yeah, we are Marshall. Um, Mm -hmm. so I want to say I I went through, I think I think it might have been on a podcast. Maybe it was off mic that I just went through like how mad the movie draft day made me while watching yeah. it because the logic is truly insane like kevin costner needs to be fired tomorrow because he is the worst gm i've ever seen in my life like he's out here doing like nba 2k shit with his trades and like it's not real life oh and old Udoka stuff too old boston coach stuff yeah i uh yeah I that's mean- well uh yeah Hey, hey, the fine hey, details haven't been released. Yet. It was a consensual you know, allegedly, 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 um, allegedly, allegely. he's but, uh banned for a year. Um, hey, they just made the finals, they're doing fine. Sure, I'm not worried at all. <laughs> I'm definitely not worried. Uh, I mean, if we're going football adjacent movies, like something even like The Blind Side, if we're bringing in those movies, then it's Jerry Maguire by a landslide oh. as the best football movie. <laughs> Like Perfect. If if we're, but I don't know if that's like a full pure football movie. Like that is different than remember. It's the about Titans football replacements. But if we're bringing it, like the Blind Side is about football. Yeah. Draft Day is about football. They aren't actually playing. Friday Night Lights is a good movie. Mm-hmm. Friday yeah. Night Lights. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And the TV show. Yeah. That was um, a good show. Invincible. Rudy? Oh, oh. <laughs> Invincible. Marky Mark. I loved Invincible as a kid. Yeah, um, dude. Anyone can join the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> just anybody. You just walk on the team. You're, just, you're good. Uh, I will say the one of the best things about the movie Invincible is that it inspired a top tier episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes. Where the gang, the gang is invincible. The gang is invincible, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so you mentioned Jerry Maguire. So this is a perfect segue uh, because I watched Jerry Maguire. This week for the first time, uh, trying to do a little bit of a Tom watch through here. And I had never seen Jerry Maguire. And I was like, you know what? It's time. It's time. Also, you know, we we've yet to bring this up, but we just had a fucking hurricane just destroy half of our state. Yeah. Here in Florida, um, which if you're out there and, and uh, you're hurting, 
from Hurricane Ian uh, were with you. We got really, really lucky here. Um, well, I was expecting this podcast studio to get flooded. I kind of prepped it to get flooded, and I'm very lucky that it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we're doing fine, but it kind of halted everything for a few days. Yeah, so I had it was a, scary. It was losing power. It was all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I had time to to watch some stuff, and one of those things was Jerry Maguire, and it was just the perfect. Um, we, you know, you know, our, our, us Florida folk here, uh, hurricane time is party time, you know, and if you're just chilling, waiting out the storm or post storm, it's time to get rowdy. So post hurricane also means post party. So I was I was hung over as hell <laughs> after the hurricane and it was just the perfect day to watch Jerry Maguire and man, what a, what a great fucking movie. What it a might perfect be, movie. it might be like the best use of Tom Cruise in any movie. It takes like everything that you know about Tom Cruise as he's like charismatic, but also like kind of like a skeevy piece of shit. Yeah. And just plays that into his character in like such a genius way. I this movie's perfect. Like I love it so so much. He should have won a fucking Oscar. For I, this it's movie. incredible how good he is in this movie. Uh, Rene so Zellweger's also great. Obviously, Cuba Dune Jr. who won an Oscar for it. Um, Cameron Crowe, you know, of mm-hmm. We Bought a Zoo fame. We all know him, <laughs> of course. Um, I. I don't know. Like, it's just the kind of movie we talk about this a lot, but it's like the kind of movie that doesn't get made anymore. Um, or if it does, it's not an awards movie. Right. Like, that's what's mm. insane about this is that like best this picture. movie was a best picture yeah. nominee and was like one of the big contenders of right. 1996. And like this movie, a version of it might get made now, but it's not a contender. It's just like a movie well, that's a TV show. It was. Well, it's, t- it's, it's an <laughs> HBO. Yeah, it's a it's miniseries series. Um, yeah, and it's a movie that gets like, I don't know, like two Emmy nominations, yeah. and then like that's it, right? And kind of disappears. Yeah. Jerry Maguire the thoughts, thing- Brian? Oh, I'm full of them. I love that movie, dude. Um, you had me at hello. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Show, Show me the, the money. money <laughs> <laughs> I love black money! people. <laughs> it's so many quotable lines. Like it is endlessly is, quotable. Dude. His celebration dance when he scores, I think he plays for the Cardinals, or is it like a yeah, fake Cardinals? Team? Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, I love that movie. I love the start of it when he's leaving the office and he's just like, anyone coming with me? Screw this place. And Renee Zellweger. She's she, there. Man, it's a I like Jerry Maguire. I've always thought it's a good movie. But you know, Tom is a nuthead, and that movie's great for him. It's it's mm. a great use of his talents because you need that good. energy. And you need the charisma. You need the kind of wacko part because it's just the story of this guy that's going all in on one player. He's just going to be the agent for one player. And you buy that relationship so well. Terrible agent. Like, that's not what you do if you're an agent. (laughs) But in the context of the movie, you you buy it yeah. like you understand it he took a page out of the robin williams and patch adams book he's like <laughs> i don't see the numbers i see the people here already right. i haven't seen it in a while what's the thing he has like a second athlete he represents some like southern guy or some quarterback yeah. from college how does that end do they stick or do they leave well okay so the athlete has mm. his dad go in on the deal and the dad is like we don't need to sign a contract we can just shake hands on it. 
And then Jerry's like, yeah, of course, let's shake hands on it. Buddy, you you signed that you gotta, fucking you contract. Yes, I'm a dad. Because then buddy. he goes and he just leaves him yeah. for another agent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for oh, the guy, dude. for Bob Sugar. Great name, by the Bob way. Bob Sugar. Bob That's Sugar is name. the rival agent. There's like a lot of stuff. If you like read into the makings of the movie, like a lot of it is about kind of that there was, especially in the 90s and like, like Jordan blew up sports, the sports yeah. scene in a whole different way between Jordan and the Bulls and like the Cowboys and their heyday and everything like the 90s, the mid 90s were such a huge thing for sports and a huge blow up in agency firms. And that's like this movie is kind of a reaction to all that. Right. So like you can also like read this as like almost like a little bit of an analog for some of the stuff that's happening in the time with the big agency that he's leaving is acting like it's right. one of those big agency that still exists today. Um, I also wanted to shout out Regina King who plays um, yeah. Cuba Duke Jr.'s wife. Just all the performances are amazing. And to see her like so early on in her career, given a credible performance, um, love seeing her. Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to touch on a couple other hurricane watches real quick that I did. Um, I did a Audrey Hepburn double feature with Lee. Nice. Um, you can't see it. It's off frame. You can barely see it, but there is a breakfast at Tiffany's big old frame poster here on top of Hunter. And I had never seen it before. And I saw it for the first time and racism aside, yeah a lovely there's, film there's a a really rough character in breakfast yeah in mickey rooney um, plays a um i guess chinese or japanese like he's, a, he's a very offensive stereotype offensive stereotype uh uh landlord of the apartment building and every time it cuts to that character it is just incredibly upsetting um i they should not have attempted that <laughs> it was a terrible mistake otherwise really love the movie great performance by audrey hepburn um and the ending it's one of those movies where it's like you don't really know where it's going because it's fluctuating heavily in tone throughout it's like kind of wacky kind of weird kind of funny kind of dramatic just doing a lot and then the ending really kind of ties the bow together and you understand how the the fluctuating tone ties into the character that she's playing and it all sort of clicks together um so really loved it and then roman holiday was the other one that we roman saw. holiday is amazing i love that movie i think that's the best movie i've seen this year it's, just flat out it's so good like that was a classic movie in my yeah. house i used to watch that movie all the time yeah and, and uh, another movie i watched um a couple months ago is it happened one night mm. and it happened one night famously the first, the first winner of the big five well not only that but it famously kind of invented the rom-com mm -hmm. and i feel like roman holiday perfected the rom-com so it, it happened one night is i think from the 30s uh 1920s oh my god no no no. yeah it is from the 30s um, yeah yeah like mid 30s and then roman holiday comes along in the 34, 34. in the 60s um and roman holiday no that's in the 50s that's like early 50s 
Okay, but it's it's far enough. 53, 53. It's it's like it's like almost two decades right. after it happened one night. And it it takes a lot of the same kind of blueprint of two people from different parts of life, different walks of life coming together and you know, having a meet cute and there's all sorts of hijinks that ensues. And it's, I don't know. There's just something about it that felt timeless mm -hmm. to me. And we've seen it's, so many movies like it that pull from that template, but you see the original, the diamond in the center. I mean, Hepburn and Gregory Peck together, just incredible. Like I just fucking fireworks going off the top. Oh. I mean, Gregory Peck is also just like one of the best actors of the fifties and sixties. Like whenever you think about is in like to kill a mockingbird, uh, the omen, which I think the omen was in the seventies, but either way. Um, yeah, no, him and Hepburn together is just, it's magical on screen. I, I love that movie. I actually, I haven't seen that movie in a few years. I, I have Loved a giant it. Audrey Hepburn oh, like box nice. set at my house that on, Roman Holiday's in there. It's All, on blue. Ooh, yeah. That I might have to go home yeah. and uh, bust that out. Have you seen either of those, Brian? I haven't. Man. I'm currently, I'm trying to remember who Audrey Hepburn's daughter is. I think I just learned that a few months ago. Really? Uh, Catherine Hepburn. Oh. Okay, see, I think I recognize her more than Audrey Hepburn. I know the name for sure, but um i said blind spot i don't think i've seen a movie older than like 1950s late 50s maybe early 60s yeah i'm, I'm definitely trying to watch more older huh. movies and and audrey hepburn is a great way to get into those movies because there's just something about her she just has this like kind of timeless quality to her i i i I think the only movie I'd seen by her before this was this movie called two for the road that we watched in college. And mm -hmm. I just saw these two back to back. And I feel like I got a really good sense of her talent, uh, not just her acting chops, but just like her kind of on-screen movie star charisma. Uh, really, really love both of them. Obviously breakfast at Tiffany's has that huge caveat of that incredibly offensive character, but Roman holiday is just this, perfect perfect rom-com um i i apologize to the listeners i actually just learned this right now uh katherine hepper and audrey hepburn are not related yeah i i thought that yeah i thought oh. that they had some kind of relation yeah no i my bad i had heard that audrey before daughter um, please please ignore me okay <laughs> two so, two thoughts real quick if that's yeah. cool so was audrey hepburn in wizard of oz was she dorothy no that's um that's Judy Garland. Yeah, it's Judy Garland. Thanks. My girlfriend just yelled from the other room. I could hear that. Um, she's like, no. I, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, I have not seen it, but I hear it's pretty good. Marvelous Miss Maisel. Is that the time frame of like the 20s that is, or is that like the 60s? It, 50s. It, it's like it's 50s. like 50s into the 60s. So that shows now mm -hmm. in, in its second or, oh my God, fourth season. Um, oh, so it starts in the 50s and it's now in the 60s. So yeah, similar. similar I need to content. watch it. Right I love that show. It, its newest season was probably its weakest because I think it got really impacted by COVID, but it's worth watching. The early seasons are great. Okay. So I have a list here of movies that I've watched recently. Okay. And I don't think we're going to have time to talk about all of them, um, but I want to maybe focus on the new movies, right? So we touched on some classics, a little Jerry Maguire here, a little um audrey hepburn there so there's three movies 
I guess four if you count blonde, but maybe we don't have well, to get here's into the thing. blonde. I want you, these are new movies. Sell me and Brian on why we should watch these movies or why we should, maybe we should skip these. Okay. Give your elevator pitch on these movies. So the three movies are, I, I just mentioned blonde. We'll see if we have time to get to my thoughts on blonde. The, the, the three movies are Don't Worry Darling, Barbarian, and 3,000 Years of Longing. Okay. What should I, we start with? I have seen the last two there. So pitch me on Don't Ooh. Worry Darling. We did last episode last week, Spit or whatever it was. We talked about Spitgate. We talked about the whole background of Don't Worry Darling. I will be honest with you. I have heard primarily bad things yeah. about this movie. I've heard that things about like that it is kind of a goddamn mess. I've heard specifically that Harry Styles is awful. Um, pitch me on why I should go see this movie or okay. maybe why I should avoid it. All right. So as we have said in previous episodes, uh, this is the new film from Olivia Wilde, um, directed by Olivia Wilde. It's uh, co-written by the same writing partner she had on Booksmart, based on a script by these two random guys that don't have any other credible uh, credits on IMDb cool. other than like random shit like Titanic 2 and Transmorphers. <laughs> cool. So these two guys wrote this script, Don't Worry Darling, uh, that was being passed around as, as an unmade script that was really buzzy. And there was a bidding war over it. Warner Brothers got it. They attached Olivia Wilde to it. They put her writing partner on it. Boom. There's all this drama in making and the lead up to re the release of the movie. Now it's out and I've seen it. So obviously we're so plugged into this world. We know we have so much baggage going into some of these movies that have all of this kind of hullabaloo around their, their release. So I, I, couldn't help but go in with some type of expectations right and obviously the buzz was really negative so i was expecting something less than stellar and i enjoyed it like obviously there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie that is not uh you can poke a lot of holes in it you know it doesn't it doesn't really hold together super well it's not the type of movie that lends itself to like really dissecting it too much or, or discussing it deeply, but I had a pretty good time at the movies. Uh, it was just a really good, a, a lot of times your, your enjoyment of a movie is what happens around the movie, right? How is your mood? How is the vibe? Who are you going with? Mm -hmm. Is it a good movie watching experience? And everything was set up well for me to enjoy this movie um do i think it has problems yes do i think that some of the ideas don't really work yes but i i just thought as a movie it did what a lot of movies have to do at the minimum with it, which is entertain you and i've heard a lot of takes of of people thinking that they were deeply bored by this movie. Uh, and I get it because it is incredibly derivative of better movies. <laughs> and I've heard people just jump the gun in describing what movies it's being derivative of. And I think those are spoilers. So if you care about being spoiled about this movie, maybe skip forward a couple minutes to the next topic. But 
the movie is pulling heavily from films like The Matrix and Inception and Fight Club, these kind of really heady films that shift and and uh, challenge your thinking of what the story really your is. like expectations and like view on reality and shit like exactly that exactly so those movies that i mentioned are classics those are incredible movies obviously your mileage may vary on your takes on nolan and fincher and the wachowskis but undeniably i think those movies have had a huge impact mm-hmm. on film don't worry darling is not on that caliber <laughs> it's not but I think that Olivia Wilde has some ideas on her mind and, and the script has some ideas on its mind about the patriarchy and about the control that men have over society and the lengths that some really shitty men will go to hold on to that power and that control. So there are some good ideas in this movie and it's fun to see the ways in which the story explores them. And it's fun to see Florence Pugh and Harry Styles be hot and sexy (laughs) on screen and drive cool cars and wear cool clothes. Okay. I'm, you don't have to punch me too hard in this movie because I, I am going to see it. I just haven't had a chance to, because again, uh, Florida got ravaged by a hurricane last week, so I haven't exactly had a ton of free time uh, to go to the theater. But in all of your praises, you notably did not say anything about one of the main criticisms I have seen about this movie, which Harry. is that uh, Harry's actively really bad in this. I've heard that Harry is it like, fluctuates. He there are some stop. scenes he needs to knock it off. No, there are some scenes that are good. <laughs> there are there are a couple. He has at least one or two scenes that i'm like okay you did you did the thing you you acted you didn't act is he like capital a acting or like no dude florence Pugh is in this movie she's (laughs) acting slaps around everybody in this movie her performance in this movie is fucking phenomenal it's way too good for the movie. <laughs> the The movie is 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 right here. Florence Pugh is way up here. Like she is phenomenal in this movie. Everybody else is pretty good. I mean, you've got Nick Kroll in there. Olivia Wilde herself is in there. Chris Pine is in there. Gemma Chan. Um, there there are good people in this movie doing in good work. The only problem is that it doesn't all really fit together super well. Um, and like I said earlier, there's just a lot of holes that you can poke in this story, especially when it fully reveals itself and kind of you, you see the full context of what's really going on in the town of victory, uh, where something mysterious is going on. <laughs> um, so, you know, I don't know. It's it's one of those movies where it's just like, yeah, this is dumb. Like, yeah, it's kind of stupid. Do you think so? I want to ask, do you think that the baggage was good or bad for this movie? Do you think that the, the baggage, gossip, the yeah, drama, like just all of it was all the, for nothing, everything that came around this. Do you think that that, in fact, did help the movie at least have some kind of word of mouth? Because otherwise it would just fade into like mediocrity. I mean, or it's Harry think, Styles. I don't do you think, think it that faded. that's working against Okay, so it was going to make money like that's I'm not I don't mean mediocrity in the way that it's like not going to get 
a certain audience to come out and see it opening weekend. I mean, mediocrity in the way that six months, no one will ever think about this movie again. Do you think that I don't think anyone's going to think about it again? Do you think that even with all of the nonsense surrounding this, it like just doesn't matter? I mean, it's just not worthy. It's not bad enough to like be despised or turned to a cult film. It's not good enough to be like resurrected as some great piece of art. It's it's tough because I'm of the thinking that Olivia Wilde may have kind of fanned the flames of that gossip machine a little bit because she knew that the movie may have been a little bit dead in the water. Because um, this you is literally, her- I said this months ago. Yeah. Before anyone ever saw this movie, I said this is all just a ploy because this movie actually is like pretty mids. Yeah. And like, that's just what this fucking movie is. This is the only way to and make you it hear her. You hear her talk about the movie and everything she has to say about it is like, there is a little piece of something interesting there that she clearly has in her mind about men and about how toxic men can be, but it doesn't really give itself over to that much more um and it's it sucks because i i have heard a lot of bad faith arguments against this movie of people thinking like uh, critics that i enjoyed listening to and and hearing from that are just not getting what this movie is about like a lot of this movie it's very abstract and they're taking it too literally and they're pissed off about like this idea that like, oh, all men are bad. And that's not clearly what the movie is doing. That's not really the point of the movie. And you can't write off the entire movie because you think that Olivia Wilde is trying to say that all men are bad. It's not that kind of movie. There, there's more at play here. It just sucks that it misses a lot of the swings it attempts. And because of that, it's easy to jump on the movie. Every once in a while, you get a movie like this that everyone just it's just fun to beat up on. You, you get you get this pretty often where it's just like, oh, this is the movie that all the critics are going to jump on and and beat the fuck up because yeah. it's fun. Well, and I don't think it fully deserves that. I don't think it's at, on exactly that level. Blonde, on the other hand, I think it's more <laughs> on that level. Like beat the fuck up out of that movie. Just go ahead and give give your thoughts. Really? Just go ahead and give do do your 90 seconds. Of okay. Blonde. I you've done this off mic to me and I have <laughs> no plans on watching this movie from everything I've heard about it. So Blonde <laughs> is on Netflix right now. It's the new Andrew Dominic film starring Anna Darmus as Marilyn Monroe. Uh, it's n- nearly three hours long and it is an extremely upsetting film uh, in the worst way possible. It feels bad the whole time. It's not fun. And not in, not in, it, it's, it's not the kind of movie that feels bad in the fun way. It feels bad in the not fun way. Yeah. It's not fun in like the, Ooh, this is depraved yeah. way. It's I, like, ah, I gave it, I gave Ugh. it a five out of 10 just for the cinematography and the attempt by Ana de Armas to give a, uh, incredible performance. I don't think the movie does her any favors, um, but she's clearly trying really hard. And the creative team behind the camera or operating the camera, (laughs) capturing the shots did a good job. Um, I just don't think the movie works well from a storytelling perspective. It's just this 
meandering mess of a movie that focuses on incredibly upsetting imagery that is not really accurate to the real Marilyn Monroe at all. It's incredibly fictionalized. So that's one thing I wanted to talk about, because I don't think that a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, we're trained to believe it's the Patch Adams effect, if you will, that you see a movie about a historical figure, a real person, in real life, and you think, yep, this is a factual document. I can believe all the things that are happening here. This isn't, it's not even based on like a memoir by Marilyn Monroe. It's written by, uh, I think your name is Joyce Kennedy, the writer of who, the book. Who said, um, it, it's it's from the year 2000, I think it was published, and who said this is a fictional yeah. book. She said, like, yeah, I studied some things about Marilyn Monroe's life, but also, like, I filled in the blanks with my own imagination. And uh, filling in the blanks happened to be, like, the most brutal and upsetting things that are depicted in this movie and in the book, including, like, I mean, spoilers for Blonde, (laughs) uh, but... From everything I've heard, uh, multiple uh, abortion sequences. Extremely upsetting abortion uh, sequences. Rape sequences, which, you it's know, uh, just so very upsetting. Um, a And this is truly insane to me. And it blew my mind. I thought this was fake when I heard this. There is a talking dead fetus no 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 that's not exactly what it is what is so, that exactly so Please throughout the, the scene throughout the course of the movie uh marilyn monroe aka norma jean is uh oh did we lose brian no oh, you <laughs> you look so in the zone you were frozen no, i was like listening you guys are good <laughs> sell me on it <laughs> so so throughout the course of this movie we see uh multiple pregnancies and the pregnancies are depicted in CGI fetus uh, on screen where we zoom in, the camera zooms into Marilyn Monroe's uterus and we see CGI fetus. So there's the, as the movie goes on, we see this recurring image of the CGI fetus and there's an abortion there's a miscarriage it's it's all kind of very muddy there's not a lot of clarity in what's going on um and then eventually we get a voice coming and we discover that it is coming from her uterus and then we see the cgi fetus again and it's like mommy you wouldn't kill me again will you you wouldn't do that to me again will you and she's like and she's like you're not the same baby (laughs) (laughs) the fetus is like yes i am it's me again and you wouldn't get rid of me again would you that's like that's like some like conservative it's like pro-life uh yeah that's propaganda (laughs) propagandist bullshit like no dude like that is so upsetting in like the worst possible ways. It's and trash. one of the things, I mean, again, tying this back to Makes don't me worry, feel darling, bad giving it a five out of ten. <laughs> talking, tying this back to don't worry, darling, about fucking digging yourself a hole in the press. 
everything that Andrew Dominic has said, the director of this film has said about this, has made me less likely want to watch this movie. Yeah. He doesn't seem interested in Marilyn Monroe at all. He uh, said he originally wrote this story for a serial killer. He said he could have. He could have. He could have. He been... just was like, yeah, this will work for Marilyn Monroe. Too. They're basically <laughs> the same person acting mass murder. Same kind of the same thing. Um, Marilyn Monroe wasn't just like this horribly tragic figure that only the worst things happen for and you had to make a fucking rape fantasy about. Uh, She also was this incredibly powerful, liberating woman who kind of like broke this whole idea of this like beauty blonde bombshell. She made her own production company. Andrew Dominic has said, uh, no, I actually wasn't interested in any of that. I wasn't interested in anything good that she's ever done in her life. I was only ever interested in her being this abused figure. Right. Well, that's um, the thing. It's like, it's that's all you see on thing. screen is a victim. Where it's like, not to make this a whole thing of like, who can tell what stories and everything else like that. But like, if this was in the hands of a woman, would it have been handled in the same way? Hell no. Definitely not. No so, way. like, maybe fucking Andrew Dominic wasn't the guy to handle the Marilyn Monroe. Like, there aren't a there aren't a ton. I mean, there's Marilyn Monroe biopics out there. There are uh, historical depictions of her in film, but this is kind of almost trying to act as like this is the central artifact. This is the Marilyn Monroe biography. It's just not. And the fact that it's like blurring all the, all these historical details. And it's like, just so it's depicting her in like all of the worst possible ways and like not showing any yeah. of her W's is just, it's, it's so, well, icky. It this whole show, thing is just icky. It, like, just, I just it shows it. some of it. It's not, it's not all fictionalized. Like that's another really weird thing about it is like we get these really accurate recreations of some of her movies and like famous moments and stuff. And to see that juxtaposed with a lot of the fictionalized stuff muddies the waters even more. Um, and I do think that one of the mo- the more interesting parts of the movie is that Ana de Armas is playing this character as this really haunted figure that Norma Jean is this woman that is being possessed by Marilyn Monroe, this, this uh, artificial performance that's not actually a real person that she has to embody in order to survive because of what she's been through in the world. And I think that, that that's an avenue worth exploring. And I could tell her attempt to really do that in the performance that, yeah, it is. It does kind of become a little bit one note after nearly three hours where everything that happens to this woman is just so tragic and fucked up and upsetting. But there is a little sliver of clarity there of this is someone who is so broken and so just beyond traumatized that it's a coping mechanism. It's a survival instinct to click into this mode of this startlet in order to survive in order to keep going and tragically she she didn't make it very far i mean marilyn monroe died when she was only 36 years old um so i i think that there was an attempt there to explore like why that must have happened what led her to that point what were the things that kind of you know gave way to that tragic ending um i just don't think the movie is a 
incredibly affecting watching experience. Um, Adrian Brody is in there. We love to see him for a little bit. Uh, and also the movie. Does he play? He hasn't played Joe DiMaggio. It, no, plays, Joe DiMaggio is, is Bobby Cannavale. Bobby Cannavale. Um, Adrian Brody is Arthur Miller. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. This movie infamously got an NC-17 rating. And the whole time I was thinking, why? And there, you know, there's obviously like a good bit of nudity. There's the fucking fetus bullshit. But the whole time I was like, he does. She does have sex with John F. Candy. Okay. I've heard about that. That scene is the NC-17 scene because it is so unnecessarily gratuitous (laughs) where she is in a delirious state dragged into a hotel room with JFK sitting in his bed on the phone. He doesn't even pay, pay any attention to her. And she's trying to talk to him. She's trying to have a conversation with him. He's on the phone the whole time. And then he basically forces her to give him a blowjob. And you don't see his dick, but the camera is like fixed on her face as she like goes up and down on his dick. And it's like way too drawn out of a scene. It's like, we don't need to see this whole scene. And that's another instance of like, why? Why? I'm just, I <laughs> fuck this. Why? Man. Like truly, I just. Why? <laughs> Feels bad. Feels real bad. All right, uh, so what, in like 10 years, they remake it and it's like better? With. Uh, Not like all shitty and I don't know. I don't know. I just like don't don't remake it. We don't well, need don't more. Probably this, not. Just, probably not. I think that the better way to tackle like a Marilyn Monroe story is to almost do like a one day in the life. Like maybe you pick up when she's on the set of some like it hot or something yeah. like that. Like do kind of something like that of yeah, zero in on something a little I don't, bit. More. Or I mean, if you're gonna do the wide swath thing, just I don't know. Don't make it all fucking dour. Well, that's that's another reason why people there are some people out there like if you look on Letterboxd, there are some people that are really liking this movie. And I think that some of them are gravitating towards that uh, aspect of this movie. That's like, yeah, it's doing something different. It's not your average biopic. It's it's unlike anything else. And like, yeah, it is unlike anything else, but it's also like just really fucked up and just not not a good movie watching Mm -hmm. experience um save three thousand years and barbarian because i've seen those i want to talk about those with you oh so we're wrapping it up no 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 like i let me let me pitch you on a couple of things oh okay okay, you came in here you pitched me okay you pitched me on one thing and you confirmed that i will never watch also it's three <laughs> would hours not, would not recommend that's a whole other thing about blondes it'd be one thing if it's like ah yeah i guess i could find like a hundred minutes somewhere to like watch i could find like an hour 45 to throw the, this on i'm not committing three hours of my life to this movie no like i there's so many better things i could do with my life with three hours than to sit down and watch that and then just feel bad no way okay um let me pitch you on t- on three things, three items. Uh, two, I absolutely love, and one was one of the biggest disappointments that I've seen this year. Uh-oh. I'll start with the positives. Uh, first things first, a little film 
by the name of Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Okay, you you did send a message about this, and I didn't. I thought I was dreaming because so, this is not a real movie. <laughs> so this is a real movie. Uh, it is starring Leslie Manville. Uh, imagine it is like it is uh, Paddington meets Phantom Thread. Uh, That's incredible. It's it's so delightful, but it's just <laughs> Leslie Manville is just she's a 1950. She's a cleaning lady, and uh, notably not her character from Phantom Thread. No, but it's like a it's like an alternate timeline, like a different door. This is the same time period of London. Uh, Brian, have you ever seen the movie Phantom Thread? Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, no, it's like the one movie of his I haven't seen. Incredible is Amy movie. Adams in it or no? No. Um, no? It's, uh, it's thinking of the master. Yeah, you're thinking of the master. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I'll watch it. I'll let you all know. You should watch mm-hmm. Phantom Thread. I, it is a wild movie especially if you have not seen it before uh it takes a turn and you're like what are we doing i haven't even seen the trailer Um, it's 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 amazing uh right on this movie very different tonally but same kind of idea of it's this era of london french passion uh fashion um going to these like where the wealthy would go out and see these models walk through like this tiny little room and just basically do a little runway show for them um anyways mrs harris uh leslie manville plays this cleaning lady who ends up basically like winning a bunch of money through like kind of a lottery type system um and wins the ability to take a trip to paris and buy a dress for herself uh it was one thing that her husband recently passed away and so she's just like all alone and she just never really goes out anymore does anything or let herself like move on with her life and kind of have fun and she like talks with her best friend and she's like you know like i just need a nice dress like just this is one thing that i want to do is that i want my dream is to go to paris and to actually see the models walking and say like i want to buy that dress right there that's her dream and so she just gets to go to paris and just live out that dream and there's like nice. there's a little bit of conflict along the way, but it's like it's a soft it's Paddington con- yeah. conflict. It's just a movie soft that like movie. I just had a smile on my face the entire time I was watching it. Like this movie, I think, is in like my number seven or eight movie of the year right oh, now. Nice. This movie is in my top ten just because like this is a warm bath of a movie. I saw this movie after like finding out that like a member of my family had just recently passed away. And I just like went and saw Mrs. Harris. And this was just like a warm embrace. Like this was just a perfect time in the movie theater. Um, I absolutely love it. I just, Leslie Manville is such a queen and we need to appreciate Leslie Manville for everything that she does for society. This this director hasn't really done much else. This is like the most high profile thing anthony fabian mm-hmm. yeah no he hasn't done like really anything at all um i don't know what the making of this film was i mean it's a pretty low budget movie aside from like costumes they're shooting in very small london and yeah. paris locations a lot of like sure. apartments um it's just it's a very kind movie this is a great date night movie like highly recommend you're just no with fuss. the wifey, with the husband, and you're just like, I just want to throw on just something nice that we can just have fun. We can have like dinner, drinks, and just like 
snuggle up and watch like a nice, fun, warm movie. This is perfect for that. Is it? It must be on streaming at this point because you saw it a little while ago. Um, I believe it's available. Yeah, it looks like it's available to rent now. Yeah. Let me see if it's premium VOD. No, it's not. It's five ninety nine. Five ninety nine. Yeah, a hundred percent worth the five bucks. Like you will not regret see, uh, watching this movie. It's a great Mrs. time. Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Hell yeah. Um, this next one is even higher up and one of my favorite movies of the year. And at this point, I think it's probably a lock for my top ten. And as a little movie about a little shell, Marcel, specifically Marcel the shell with shoes on, uh, A24's movie based on the uh, YouTube sensation from 2011. I totally missed that. 2012 ish. So thank you for saying that. I guess it was an internet phenomenon. And like, I don't know where I, what, I yeah. did I black out during this time? I, like, I, I don't know. Never what experienced that. Um, so I don't have the same level of nostalgia towards Brian. Do you remember Marcel the Shell whenever that was an internet thing? No, I saw like one of them. Um, it's like around that Fred Blonde kid or the Angry Orange thing. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's like it's just past like early YouTube, but it's before like yeah. modern YouTube kicked in with like Dude, everything yeah. being reaction videos. Does um, Angry Orange make a cameo through a portal in yeah. Marcel the Shell? Uh, Marcel the Shell here's like on your left, and then just Fred shows up. Um, this is this is on my list. I I have a letterbox list of like my priority watch list, and this is. This has been up there for a little while. Is I need it to get still Ginny Slate? Not to step on toes, Hunt? Is yes. it still Ginny's? Oh, hell yeah, dude. So, okay, yeah, cool, Ginny cool. Slate is the voice of Marcel. Um, so just a little bit of background. Uh, the director of this, Dean Fleischerkamp, is the same one who made these YouTube videos. At the time, whenever he was making them, him and Ginny Slate were married together. Um, they have since gotten divorced but they still came back together to make wow. this movie together. And there's a whole kind of subplot. I mean, very notably, like, and importantly, Marcel is the star of this movie. We don't focus too much, but Dean Fleischerkamp is a character in the story and he That's is himself. coming off of a divorce. Like, so it's also like kind of commenting on his own, like needing to move yeah. on from his relationship with Jenny Slate as Jenny Slate is voicing the character of Marcel in this movie. Wow. It's really incredible how they actually find this balance. If you know a little bit about like the behind the scenes of this, but oh man, I mean, once again, talk about just like a warm bath of a movie. This is just so delightful. Um, Very just, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, the cuteness factor like can't be like underrated here like this movie is just like it's so charming yeah in all of the right ways uh it's very funny very very funny like there's a lot of like really like hysterical laugh out loud moments in this there's a ton of heart specifically with marcel's grandmother who i'm trying to pull up her name right now but played by the absolute legend i'm wearing the shirt here isabella rosalini mm. herself blue from velvet. blue velvet fame yeah. um she That's is so cool. she's incredible as like this elderly grandmother and this kind of touches on like 
what it's like to like lose lose loved ones. I mean, this the story of this Marcel gets separated from his family and he's just trying to like reunite with them and like trying to make it out on your own. Like this movie has so many big ideas, but it never feels like it is trying to preach too much it never feels too weighty with all of the ideas that's trying to put in here because it still kind of maintains this levity like at the end of the day like we'll have this like heady moment and then you see marcel just like stepping in like a little lid of honey so that he can walk on the ceiling to get up to like wherever mm. he wants to go like as you should um which by the way the animation in this is incredible like we talk a lot about the death of stop motion and like the the blending of stop motion and CGI that they did in this movie looks so good. Like this movie is kind of going to age perfectly. Like I don't, it's one of those things that, you know, we watch so many modern movies that are just CGI fest, like the Marvels of them all and everything else where they look bad in the moment and you know they're only going to look worse. <laughs> Five like, years, just total like crush. Thor Love and Thunder <laughs> looks as good right now as it ever will for all of history. Yeah. Like it's never going to look better than it does right now and it already doesn't look great. Marcel is just going to age so well because there is such a physical element to the art design and it's it's just it's absolutely wonderful i don't know i believe that this is also on vod now um i think this one might be a well, premium it's, it's a24 it so a24 has been a little bit more patient with some of their releases but they um they have a deal with showtime like it'll end up on showtime yeah i mean eventually it'll end up on canopy too if you have a I library mean, that's, card, that's a lot eventually further down the road. Uh, usually like six to nine months, it'll show up well, on there. X, X just got put on an, on Showtime like oh, this okay. week. Oh, well. And that was out around the same time as Marcel, the show came out. So I'm, I'm just waiting for it. But it is. Yeah, it's a four ninety nine rental right now. So it's yeah, no, I like this is like the highest recommendation that I could give. Like, yeah. I truly like I love love this movie i cannot wait for the blu-ray to come out or especially for the 4k even to come out because this is going to be like i'm a big i watch tv and movies to go to sleep all the time and like it's a comfort i watch. just already know that this is going to be in my comfort watch movies nice. like this is just going to be in there one of the things that i just want to like throw on in the background as i'm doing other things letterbox loves it 4.3 average yeah, it has more five stars than it has any other rating. Yeah, it's it's Love nuts. It. I, I I like I I can't believe. Also, this is a movie about a fucking YouTube shell that's just like says little fun quirky things. Like, With, I, yeah. how is this movie good? Like, this is like such a success story that like I don't know. I have no idea if Dean Fleischer Camp's success of this has any bearing on him as like a writer director or if he has had like one idea in the can for the last 10 years and was just only ready to like really pop Dude, off on this but can anyone guess what he's attached to direct next um oh it's a up? big thing yeah i uh i looked it up um what is it i i know it's it's something that i saw and i was like huh we're really trusting this guy who just it's, made his passion project right it's a disney live action remake any guesses um one of their they they love to do this disney just 
attaches it's... little indie directors to their live action remakes so that they can <laughs> toss them around. Um, Any guesses? I mean, I know it's not Little up. Mermaid. It's not uh... Snow White. Lilo and Stitch. Oh, Lilo and Stitch. That's what it is. Yes. No. Um, yeah. Really? I, oh I guarantee you it won't uh, happen. There's no way it'll happen. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, he was good at animating stop motion stuff. Uh, uh, Lilo and Stitch, there's no way they can do that in a live action. No way. way. Like, it it would be scary. horrifying. Like, <laughs> Stitch in yeah. live action is like kind of like a yeah. scary, monstrous figure. Be fucked up. <laughs> I don't know if you want to see that. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see Marcel the shell with the shoes on. I am very excited for it. Cool. Um, you oh, said you had one more. Yeah, one more. I this will be brief. Um, I just want to talk about like one of my biggest disappointments of the year. As listeners know, I'm a big documentary fan, especially like I love a great music documentary. Like it's just one of my favorite things. Is just I I think was it two years ago that uh, American Utopia was my number one film of the year. Great movie. And. This year, I've really gone on a project where I've gone on a deep dive into Bowie. Like, Bowie is one of those artists who I've always, like, really appreciated and admired. And he's one of my wife's, wife of the podcast, Gaia's favorite artists. So, started kind of going back to, like, Hunky Dory area era david bowie and have listened through like every album at this point like just kind of going through really really taking this deep dive and there was a big david bowie uh biography or documentary that came out this year i i hesitate to even use the word documentary because it's it's like a collage of footage <sighs> collage is one word for it um moon age daydream yeah, I'm talking Which about had a lot Bowie's of hype Moon Age Daydream leading up to it. Yeah, it's made by uh, Brett Morgan, who's made like some really notable documentaries. He made a Kurt Cobain documentary a few years ago that got a lot of buzz, made a uh, Jane Austen, excuse me, a Jane Austen documentary that got like eight or Jane Goodall. That's who it was. Sorry. Um, oh, I heard about that. Yeah, that I've heard awesome it. things about yeah. that. It's called Jane. Um, yeah, just called Jane. Um, so I was excited for this. It looked really cool. The ad for it got me super hyped. It was like a film music experience of David Bowie. And this was just kind of like one of the biggest disappointments that I've had in movie this year that it's one of those documentaries where it feels more like the director is trying to almost show off about themselves and they kind of lose sight of the subject matter, which is one of the things that drives That's me tough. insane. And I truly hate that about documentary filmmakers. Um, unless it's done in like almost a self parodying way, like the rehearsal is using, <laughs> but <laughs> that's why that's one of the things that's a genius of the rehearsal. Cause it's flipping that whole stigma, but moon age daydream is something that, and maybe it's because it's trying to do too many things at once. It's trying to tell this long story of David Bowie's career while also having like concert documentary parts to it. And also just trying to be this like visual spectacle where it's trying to put you in the mind of David Bowie. But the only way that that's visualized is what I can just call it. There's a little bit of, um, 
this is going to sound very insulting, but family guyification to this, where it's a lot oh, of the cutaways. It's a lot of cutaways. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of, do you remember uh, a few years ago where there was the two Firefest documentaries? Yeah, there's yeah. one on Netflix and I there's one on Hulu, either. where the one on Hulu was not very good, in my opinion, because it was just a lot of every time somebody talked, it was like, let's cut to an image of a thing of like, uh, like, Donald Duck getting hit in the head with a hammer to like bring this point home and like kind of stuff like that. There's a lot of that in this movie. There's a lot of recycled footage. Like there's the same like shots. We just over see the over. same shot of David Bowie walking like six times in like a 25 minute span. And it's like, I know for a fact there's more Bowie in this. <laughs> there's a lot of like weird editing choices where it's this like punishing bright lights coming at you at the same time and all these like ambient noises to the point where it's like David Bowie's giving a documentary or he's giving like a uh, an interview and like with BBC or whoever else he's like giving an interview and then like you can't even hear what he's saying sometimes oh. because there's just this like sound effect vomit of <laughs> noise and colors that's taking over your screen it it was really frustrating to me watching Damn. this movie. Like, it was just one of those things where I was like, can we just get back to David Bowie? Like, when <laughs> when this movie is about David Bowie, it rocks. Like, David Bowie is a fascinating figure. Like, he is such an incredible... A one of one. He truly is a one of one guy. And especially, like, how he was one of those type of people. I mean, it's him, Dylan, in this era who are just constantly looking to reinvent themselves. Like, it's just, you are never happy in one place. You never want to stay complacent. It's like, I've had this sound. I have like this cult following behind me. Fuck it. I'm moving to Berlin and New I'm, like, I'm just embracing yeah. electronic as my sound now. Oh, like, yeah. it's just kind of like all this whole thing of like, I always want to keep things fresh that made him so incredible. Um, that it was just such a big miss. I was talking about it with Gaia afterwards and. I don't know why it hasn't been made yet. Maybe they're the great Bowie movie. Well, not just the great Bowie movie, but I want the black star movie. I want a movie that we can touch on Bowie's life, but specifically uh, for people who don't know David Bowie right before he died, uh, he knew that he was on deathbed and he wrote his final album, black star, which is one of the best albums of the 2010s absolute masterpiece perfect really rock album. sad it is sad but it's almost like hearing an album from the other side like that is my recommendation from all this is if you've never listened to it listen to david bowie's final album black star um and i want a documentary about the making of that we could get james murphy involved because mm -hmm. he was heavily involved in the production of that album uh lead singer of lcd sound system did all the drums on black star um that's that's the Bowie movie that I want to get made. So I watched a documentary a few years ago. It came out in 2017. It's called David Bowie, The Last Five Years. Have you heard of this? Um, no. I so not. so it's it's a documentary. It touches on Black Star. It also talks about his previous album before that called The Next Day. Mm -hmm. And the play that he was working on called Lazarus that was yeah. tangentially related to Black Star. 
Um, I remember that being pretty good. I mean, I wasn't really blown away by it. Didn't really stick in my mind too much. But again, another instance of like an attempt. That's on HBO Max. To dig into. Yeah, I, I remember being, you know, it being pretty okay. I, I wasn't like disappointed by it or anything. It's it's a solid little doc, but I, I think we are still waiting for the definitive Bowie movie. Yeah. Um, in whatever form it may come. They tried Who? to do a, a biopic a couple of years ago, but they didn't license any of his music. Yeah. So it's like, that's... what's the point of that? Uh yeah, what was it? Uh Stardust? Is that what yeah. it was called? Yeah, and then, yeah, this guy, Johnny Flynn, uh, was going to play Bowie. I don't know who... I don't think that we have an actor right now who could do Bowie. No. I could see, like, Timothy Chalamet trying to do it, and it just not working. Austin Butler. (laughs) Do you want to talk Elvis? Elvis? Do you want to talk Elvis? Elvis. Look, I also... Elvis was a hurricane watch for me. Did you see uh, Elvis, Brian? No, I've been meaning to. I, I see it on HBO. I will, but... So let's I, not going. Let's let's talk Elvis a little I have, bit I have before some thoughts we wrap. On Elvis, I I will say like, I so I have very very complicated feelings about. It's an insane um, movie. It's it's edited to shreds. It has these wildly <laughs> like shifting montage sequences that just don't let up, um, and it feels like a two and a half hour trailer almost it is just this, <laughs> that's this an incredible description of it yeah it's it this relentless like, like non-stop just force of a movie and it feels exhausting it is an exhausting movie um i didn't hate it and i think austin butler gives a really good performance it just doesn't slow down like it covers mm. an incredibly long period of time and you need to have a good movie, you need moments of just levity to to dig into a little bit of like actual story and character and drama. And this movie just doesn't have that. It's just go, go, mm-hmm. go on to the next thing, on to the next thing. Keep going, keep moving, boom, boom, boom. And there's some incredibly dazzling visual moments. Like the camera is just always moving. The the look, the bedazzled quality. It is gaudy as hell. Yeah, it's, it is it's wild. It's all over the top. Um, but I think like it's kind of gaudy in all the right ways. Like I what I was saying is like I have a very complicated relationship with Baz Luhrmann. I I was a big fan as Listeners know I'm I'm a little theater boy. I uh, I grew up kind of doing theater. I love kind of theater stuff, and so. I've seen Romeo plus Juliet, uh, seen Moulin Rouge. I really, really loved Moulin Rouge whenever I was a kid. And so when The Great Gatsby came out, I was so excited. That came out right around my birthday, uh, senior year of high school, I believe. Uh, And I was just like, fuck yes. Great Gatsby is my favorite book. It's the great American novel. Boz Lerman's making this. Leo as Jay Gatsby is just, he was born to play Jay Gatsby. Like this is, you could not craft better casting for this. And I was like, Lerman gets it. He'll be here. He'll know how to do this right. And like, that is one of the most disappointing theater experiences I've ever had in my life that I could not believe once the like seventh Jay-Z song started playing, I think that like, I just checked out to a point that I could not ever return to it. Um, it was such a colossal disappointment. And so I was kind of, 
a little bit uh, hesitant to go into Elvis. Not to mention, like, I I don't know about you guys, but, like, I don't have a relationship with Elvis. Like, I don't give a shit about Elvis. Do you hey, guys care about speaking Elvis? Speaking of Lilo and Stitch, that's, yeah. that's the all oh, the Elvis yeah. I need is that soundtrack. Brian, do you, do you listen to Elvis? Ugh. Are you an Elvis guy? I mean, you are no. closer to Graceland than any of us, so. Well, that's the thing. I had that grandma with the VHS. It's like, I think she liked Elvis. I don't know. But no, honestly, um, his little cameo and Dewey Cox. Um, <laughs> what else? Great. It is Elvis. <laughs> this <laughs> this you... movie, Elvis, the movie is basically walk hard. Like it, there are some the some verbatim it's, sequences. Dude, so you've seen walk hard. They're literally... In the first 15 minutes of the movie, Elvis has this the scene of like the the pelvic thrusting at like the the little dance hall. I like it blew my mind whenever I saw it. I was like, oh, we gosh. parodied this like 15 <laughs> years ago and we're doing it again. Yeah. Like, but, but going for it like that scene is crazy. It's insane. It goes <laughs> for it. They he wiggles hard he he when he starts shaking like women are just like getting pregnant yeah just by like looking at him shake around like it is insane what is happening in this sequence austin butler is still in the running for best it's, actor it's him wow. like it, it's so funny watching him in this movie because also the flashback cuts to him in like a black church and like all this kind of stuff where insane Anytime that you start to buy into Elvis, you're like, oh, yeah, he did, like, steal all of his music from black culture. Mm -hmm. And, oh, he's appropriating that thing. He definitely stole that sound. I'm but glad they showed it in the movie. Uh, I mean, yeah, no, that's the thing. Like, I I, I kind of like this movie. I, I'm going to be honest. I saw this movie. I, at this point, I was out of power for about 48 <laughs> hours. Uh, it was pitch black in my house. I had just, I had enough phone battery on here i did not download elvis ahead of time but i was like i really oh, want to watch elvis 5g so i am going to use my phone as a hot spot for long enough to watch the nice. film elvis here in hindsight probably wasn't the best use of my limited internet of my <laughs> limited power but you know we you live and you learn um and at this point i was probably about six white claws deep right. uh, if i'm honest perfect, uh, perfect right for elvis and i was like you know what i'm ready to watch elvis <laughs> and i was surprisingly sucked in i was expecting to watch it as a joke and be like ha 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 fuck this movie i mean even and from the beginning when the camera's like spinning into vegas it's kind of it's insane in like all the best ways that i was like it kind of you will know very early on if you were in or you are out on this movie yeah. and i kind of i like movies that do that where it's like you're either in or you're out. Yeah. Like, you're going to make that decision very early on. We haven't said the words the, Tom Hanks yet. So that's the thing. That is the most <laughs> insane part about this movie. Tom Hanks is easily the worst part about this movie. Yeah, By a country mile, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks, like, single-handedly tries to nosedive this movie. <laughs> and I don't know. I've never said that in my life about Tom Hanks yeah, in this movie. But Tom insane. Hanks is... Between this and Pinocchio, which is another is film that I have seen, um, I don't know what Tom Hanks is doing anymore. He's cashing those checks, dude. I guess he is. Uh, but he famously this... contracted COVID while filming this movie. <laughs> he, the world was reeling. He like so this movie makes the choice. Um, Elvis himself is not an interesting character enough for us to fame for us to frame this movie through his point of view. 
So instead, we need to frame this movie through the point of view of his uh, agent who like took 50 percent of all of Elvis's profits Mm -hmm. and merchandise deals, merchandise deals. Kind of he did in some ways make Elvis what he was like. Elvis would not have been as big if there wasn't like Elvis action figures and shit like that. But also Elvis wanted to do things like take a set out of the country, grow in international audiences, do stadium tours. And uh, Tom Hanks's character, Colonel Tom Parker, uh, was not a colonel or a Tom, <laughs> um, was had a very sketchy background of some kind, was like Eastern European, was basically like belonged to no country, so he couldn't get a passport of any kind. <laughs> He didn't and exist. Was the person was who a shadow. locked uh, Elvis down into being like the first, doing like basically the first residency in Vegas, yeah, and ruined his life and kept like giving him pills and kind of killed Elvis. And that's who we spend as like our audience surrogate, as our viewpoint into the world of Elvis for this movie, yeah. which is such an insane idea. And it, it does not work. It's wild. It does not work. Anytime the movie would be going good and then Colonel Tom P- Parker voiceover would kick in, I'd be like, oh, what yeah. are we doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, we're doing this again, aren't we? Okay. But, but then it's Tom Hanks and just the, the sheer, like, just bizarre entertainment of seeing that performance. It, it, there is something there, even if it doesn't work. Just, like, the weirdness of it, the, the bizarre quality of this guy just caked in this makeup to look like this fucking colonel just insane this movie does contain i think the funniest scene of the year which at this point now it's been memed on twitter and everything but cody smith mcphee showing up for one scene to just be like you guys don't get it he's wide (laughs) and everybody cut to camera (laughs) zoom in on top (laughs) the zoom on everyone He's white. He's white. <laughs> it's, it's it's incredible. Like I can't I can't believe it. I I I really enjoyed this movie for what it was. Yeah. No. I Elvis good. Elvis, Elvis good. Elvis good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it now. I'll watch it this week. It's worth Check it. You it know, out. Get 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 inebriated to to a certain extent. <laughs> sure. You'll enjoy some popcorn, it more. Popcorn, some pizza. Oh yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. All right, fellas. <laughs> well, we can wrap it up there. Thank you, Elvis. Thank you, the King, uh, for keeping us going. And uh, thank you, Brian, for sticking around. Um, thank you for supporting the show and letting Thanks, us have Brian. these these uh, nifty new headphones, courtesy of you and all the great donors. The donor audience gang, can't donor hear gang. the difference, but I can. Yeah, yeah. Any yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on any anything that we talked about oh, before we wrap up? I'll give two things. I am going to watch Elvis. I'm not going to watch Blonde. I am going to watch RV. I'm not going <laughs> to <No. laughs> No, hey, I I'm about three or four episodes into this show on Hulu called Reboot. It's my only thing on Is Catch that Up good? Corner, dude. Yeah, guys, it's pretty funny. It's okay. got I've, I've um, heard, the lady from Crazy Girl. It. Yeah, honestly, it's pretty freaking funny. Johnny Knoxville, he's not. I don't know. It's more serious than I thought. Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville. It's Keegan Michael oh Key. Johnny Knoxville, the child actor from the show, he was like five. Now he's like an 18-year-old like douchebag. I think he's a douchebag. He's kind of a douchebag. And he's like, hey, do you think that was cool when I was a kid? He's like just always on people's case because now, I don't know. It's it's so funny. Dude, this cast is great. 
Oh my God, Judy Greer, Paul Reiser, Fred Melamed is in this movie. Oh, the serious Cy man himself, Cy Abelman. He's like wow. rebooting the sitcom. Yeah. And well, yeah, I guess it's called Reboot. So no spoilers, but it's a pretty good show. So yeah. did it all drop at once or is it week to week? Week to week. I caught up on three and then I pulled it up the next day and it was up to four. So I think that was a coincidence. And uh, yeah, it might be five this week or cool. I got lazy. I watched it all about two weeks ago or last week. And guys, I'd check it out. It's honestly pretty good. Hulu nice. has some solid stuff right mm-hmm. now. They got, I mean, obviously what we do in the shadows, reservation dogs, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I've never seen what we do in the shadows. You guys dude, always so talk good. about it. It's, take it's the great. Take the plunge, ah, dude. I love you the movie. Love <sighs> that show. Yeah, if you love the movie, then you'll love the show. Okay, like that's, I've been yeah. waiting. Yeah, damn. I'm yeah. gonna watch. Dive it. into it. Dive into it. It's it's such an easy watch. It's so funny. It is the season. Spooky. It is spooky season. <laughs> yes. I'll get into it. Hell yeah. Um. All right. Well. Thank you for coming on. Hopefully we'll have you on again soon. And uh, yeah, thank you all for watching. Please rate, review, subscribe, like, and comment, and let us know about all the things that we talked about. We didn't get to uh, Barbarian and 3,000 Years, so we'll put a pin in those. Those are two really, really worthy movies. We're we're gonna have to to get into spoilers on both of those movies. Yes, too. Yes. Uh, So we might. (laughs) There's a lot to be a different forum. Um, I also wrote down just just to mention them. The other things that I wrote down, uh, Prey, uh, yeah. not as like kind of dissect worthy, but Dan still a Trachtenberg, good movie. a great movie. Um, the Avatar re-release, I went back to Pandora and experienced it. So we got to ramp up for Way of Water, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, the Empty Man. I experienced The Empty Man, one of the, the most low-key, like, kind of word of mouth movies of the last couple of years horror movie if we're talking spooky season um great movie i'm, I'm really worth, excited i need to check that out. I, I actually i have that queued up that i might watch that this week just for to get in the spooky mood let me know if you do it's it's one of those that you'll want to talk about because there's a <laughs> lot there's a lot there there's a lot going on with the empty man uh and then on the tv side Andor is excellent uh, Star Wars Andor. Ooh, I'm hard out on all Star Wars content right now. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll maybe I'll dive back in. It's one really day, good. But I just I need a break from Marvel and Star Wars. And uh, Survivor is back. Survivor hey, 43. So far, the first three episodes are great. There's some incredible characters this yeah. season. Uh, we'll have to do a check in. Yeah, we're going to have to do one. For it's, that. it's shaping up to be good. So, yeah, a lot of stuff to dig into. Uh, we got through a lot of it, but not everything. But what are you going to do? We can't so be much here for five hours. Uh, yeah, it was a big old <laughs> bottle of chup, big old, big old fatty chup bottle. And I feel like we got through, you know, maybe a little over half of it. So yeah. it's at a good check level right out. now. Um, thanks again, Brian. Thanks again, listeners. Uh, please check out our Patch Adams episode if you haven't already, with Brian. And we'll see you for Bicentennial Man and more ketchup more um new movies we have a review of the banshees of inna sharon mm-hmm. coming up a movie that we have seen amongst other fall oscar awards buzzy movies that's the dog letting us know it's time to go and we'll see you next time we love you bye-bye bye bye